0: Man, I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, It was a wonderful season. I really enjoyed spending Christmas Eve with you guys. That was a great time of worship together as a family. Loved that. Uh, And can we give it up for our worship team? Just because they just put so much time into that. And thought. um, Jenny, Amy, I know you guys helped to lead the way with that. Thank you guys for all the sacrifice you put into it. It was wonderful. It was a great time. And we're starting a new year tomorrow. That's crazy. Oh my goodness, it is New Year's Eve. 2024 begins tomorrow. My voice is kind of echoing. Um, So I'm excited about that as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, heard this saying before this phrase. This is something that I tend to agree with, and I think is really powerful when you apply it to your life, but it's this idea of, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? It's not how you start, it's how you finish, and I've experienced this truth in my life that, you know, I can start things pretty shaky, Uh, and especially when it comes to my walk with Jesus, you know, things get started, and I'm broken, and I'm insecure, and I have all these things going on, and so it's a little rough. Uh, it's a little rough in the beginning, but over time, that's part of the journey. God walks with us in our brokenness, in our weakness, strengthens us, and, uh, and we grow and we learn. And then the hope is that we finish well. We want to finish well. And with this being the last day, we have a Sunday, the last day of this year, um, I want us as a body of believers to finish well this year. And a great example of that was a a great man in history. You may know his name. I don't know if you're familiar with him. His name is uh, good old Abe, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Anyone know that guy? Um, Yeah, so uh, pretty cool dude. Uh, I would say most people would agree that he finished well, right? Um, Finished well, pretty influential, pretty awesome president. But I want you to hear a little bit about how how things went before he finished well, okay? So... um, He lost his job in 1832, he was defeated for state legislature in 1832, failed in business in 1833, so a year later he got to fail in that as well. Um, But then he elected to state legislator in in 1834, his sweetheart, his wife, died in 35, he had a nervous breakdown in 36, defeated for speaker in 38, defeated for nomination for Congress in 43, then he was elected to Congress in 46, lost nomination in 44, Renomination. Rejected for land officer in 49, defeated for the U.S. Senate in 54, defeated for nomination for vice president in 56, again defeated for U.S. Senate in 58, and then he was elected president in 1860. He lost eight elections, twice failed in business, and suffered a nervous breakdown, and he experienced loss of his family. He could have quit many times, but he didn't. And because he didn't quit, he became one of the greatest Presidents in the history of the United States. He finished well. And he went through a lot of hardship along the way. But there is something in him a resolve, an ability to look back, learn from the past, and then surrender the future. So today, the title of my message is Finishing Well. Let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus. Will you speak to our hearts? Father, will you help us to hear your voice, to surrender our lives entirely to you, where we're stepping into a new season, a new year? Lord God, help us give this entirely into your hands, Jesus. But I pray that any words that come from my mouth, that come from me, I pray they'll fall to the ground and come to nothing, God, but that your words will remain and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we finished out our Advent series, uh, and we closed it out with um, last Sunday, our Christmas Eve service, Lighting the Christ Candle. And so next year is a new year. We're going to start a new series. And so we're in that unique kind of lurch between the Christmas day and the beginning of the new year. It's kind of that place where there's so much buildup for Christmas, and we're excited, and we have Advent, and we're reflecting, and we're waiting for God's promise. It's so good. And then we get to Christmas, Christmas is there, and then it's like, now what? (laughs) It's like, okay, I guess we get to take down the decorations. That's exciting, you know? It's like so sad. But there's this weird space, because New Year, you have, like, goals that you set or whatever, and you have kind of its, its, it kind of has its own thing, but then there's that week in between. There's that little space there, and it's like, what do I do now? And so, typically, what we do is we start making plans for next year, right? We immediately go into planning mode. It's like, okay, Christmas is done, time to get on the ball, here we go, got to make plans, right? And then some of you guys are like, no, I I don't make plans at all, actually. <laughs> but you start, you start making plans, start looking, for the next, looking towards the next year, and that's a cultural thing. It's something in American culture to just keep moving forward, move on, keep on going. Uh, get ready for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and look forward to the next thing. And so much of our lives is spent looking forward. Look forward, look forward, look forward. What's next? What's next? What's the next goal? What's the next thing to accomplish? What's the next thing to achieve? What's lying ahead? Right, And we keep going, no time to lose. But the problem is when we do that, we miss out on the fruit of reflection. Now that was the entire Advent season, right? The whole season of Advent is about kind of reflecting and and waiting on the Lord and putting our trust in Him and creating space. But there's something so important before we start just charging ahead with making plans for our next year to stop, to pause, to ponder, and to pray and reflect on what has happened. What what has led me to this point? Because the problem is, is that we go through an entire year, 12 months of our life, 365 days of living, and then at the end of it, we just start planning for the next 365 days. What about what happened during all of that time? What happened? What did God do? Where was he? How was he speaking? How was he moving during that time? And so we miss on reflection, but then not only that, as soon as we dive into the next year, we also can miss God's timing. We get ahead of the Lord and we can even miss his will altogether. It's it's very common that we get into this rhythm in our life of a pattern of doing things, a way of doing things, but that rhythm very quickly can turn into a rut where we're stuck in a way of doing something. And when we take time to pause and to reflect and to seek the Lord, that gives God the opportunity to bring some awareness and say, hey, that rhythm that you're in, actually, that's a rut. I need to help pull you out of that a little bit. I'm, at, I'm calling you to something a little bit different. Or there's something, something new that I'm calling you into. But we'll miss that opportunity if we don't pause. And so, a, a popular thing in culture is resolutions, right? We all know New Year's resolutions. But it's interesting about what the interesting thing about resolutions is most of the time, especially in Western culture, it's all about what I don't have right? It's like I want, I set a goal, have a goal for something because I want something that I don't have, right? I want to lose weight, right? So I, I want something I don't have. I, uh, I want to have this, achieve this goal or I want to do this in work or in business or whatever. And so it's this idea of wanting something that I don't currently possess. And the problem with that is we go into each year, if we follow that mindset, we go into each year with this mindset of lack, of I don't have anything, and so I'm planning on having more. I hope to have more. And God isn't opposed to us having a plan. He's not opposed to us having more in our life because we see God's plan throughout redemption, throughout human history, right? He has plans. He has a plan for our life. God's plans aren't about us having more. That's the difference. His plans are about him having more. It's not about gain, it's about surrender. And God's plans for us, it's not about gain, it's about surrender. It's not about control, it's about release. Because God knows when we release, that's when we experience his life, peace, and freedom. But if we're always trying to take in and capture and gain, then we do this. We're clinging to something. The peace and freedom is found in that surrender, not in the excess. We can get caught up with these resolutions and what the future has in store, and then we forget to look back and see just how far God has brought us. We look at what we don't have, and we forget about what we do have. But the people of God, the Israelites, In Scripture, we're really good at looking back to go forward. They're really good about remembering, right? We've talked about that before. God has a way of tying the past to the future with his plans in the present. He ties them, he weaves them all together. God, nothing is wasted with God. Isn't that so cool? Nothing is wasted. Even even the mistakes of our past, he can use those for redemption, and for life, for transformation, and for lessons learned. So nothing is wasted. He takes the past and the future and weaves them together. Reflection, surrender, and through his guidance in the present moment, and that's how we finish well, is that we tie both the past by taking time to reflect and learn and grow and see what God has done and not forget that, have gratitude, learn from the experiences, but also we lay hold of the future by surrendering it to the Lord and hearing His direction and His plans, and then we're able to finish one season and go to the next well and transition well in our lives. And so we see this process in the life of Joshua. His final statement to the people of Israel in Joshua 24, look at this. It says, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And he goes on in verse 5, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea. The Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried out to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. And then he goes on and on. And Joshua starts building this memorial. He begins to tell the stories of what God has done. And it's not just the highlights. He doesn't just talk about the amazing things that happened. He talked about the hardship. He talked about the desert years, the wilderness, and how when they complained against God, then a whole generation was lost and didn't go to the promised land. But then he talked about going into the promised land and and taking hold of that and, and having that promise fulfilled. And so he goes through the history and paints this beautiful picture of all the hardships and triumphs that the people of Israel experienced through the years. So he builds this memorial, and then in verse 14, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 18, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So Joshua builds a memorial of all that God has done, and then he challenges the people to serve and worship God alone, to reject the complacency because they still had idols. They still had all this stuff from the land, these false gods with them. In their homes. He's saying, if you're really going to serve God, get rid of all that stuff. Start fresh. Everything new. Everything belongs to Jesus. And so he challenged them. Because they were still holding on to things from their past. And he confronts them about it. and And then they reassure him. So finally, in verse 22, it says, Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods, he says it again, that are among you, and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God, and obey him. And so at the end of his life, he challenges the people. And he says, listen, remember what God has done The good, remember the good, remember the bad and how God worked it all for your redemption? Remember that? He said, and don't get comfortable. Don't just settle in and start taking on all the idols of the land. Reject complacency. Follow the Lord. Be steadfast. Align your values with him. Yield your heart entirely to the Lord and then follow his lead in your life. I believe this paints a picture for us on how we can finish well. And finishing well is not just, it's not just at the end of our life. I mean, we want to do that. That's the ultimate goal, right? But there's seasons. We have seasons in life. And God leads us from one season to the next. And he transitions us in our life. And there's nothing special about from going from today to tomorrow like nothing happens (laughs) nothing happens at midnight like it's not like oh suddenly i feel different you know (laughs) i am a second older (laughs) that nothing happens when you go from one year to the next except for the ball lighting up in new york city you know (laughs) that's the only thing that happens nothing takes place it's just another day it's another second it's another another hour that passes um that's it there's nothing special about it but something that we do see again in Scripture is that there were festivals, there were events that the people of God had for the purpose of putting a landmark, putting, putting something up where they can remember a time set in stone. Hey, this is the time that we take to intentionally remember what God has done and what he is asking us to do. And so a new year is an opportunity for us to do that. This is an opportunity for us to be intentional and to remember what God has done and to prepare for what he has ahead of us. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this story and see four different steps in, in finishing well. And with each one of these, there's a reflective question that I encourage you all to just take with you this week. So first week of the year, it doesn't matter. that I, Oh, well, darn it. it was, it's now the new year, so I didn't finish well because it's, it's not last year, and that doesn't matter. Just take time. I encourage you to take some time this week and pause, reflect, think about some of these questions, and see what God does in preparing us for a new season. All right, so number one, how do we finish well? Number one, build a memorial. Jesus took time, or Joshua took time to look back at what God had done. So this is the question we can ask ourselves: How has God used my experiences? Victories and hardships this past year to grow and strengthen me, to draw me close to himself. How has God used the experiences of this last year to grow and to strengthen me or to draw me closer to himself? And not just the good things. Look at the hardships. Look at the things you've endured. How did, how did God use that in a redemptive way? Because God does that. He doesn't, nothing is wasted. Or maybe how could he use it to bring life to you and to grow you? Because think about it this way. When we're going through a hard time or a hard season, it's hard to see where God's at, right? right? It's hard to see. When you're, go- when you're in it, when you're in the mire, it's hard to see where God is in those moments. Right? Because it's hard, that's all. You're just experiencing what you're experiencing, a loss, grief, whatever it is, difficult circumstances. And so it's hard to see God move, but what happens after it's over, right? Hindsight is what? 2020. right? You look, you, when, you, when you're past something, you can look back and see, oh, I see what God was doing there or how God used that in my life or how he grew me or strengthened me or, or whatever he did. But the problem is if we never look back, then we won't know, We won't see it. A lot of times God does grow us. Things change. We mature and he does amazing things and deposits things in our lives and in our hearts through hardship. But if we don't take the time to look back, then we'll miss what God did and how how we learned something in that time. And you all know, too, that when you have nothing and when things are really, really hard, you begin to appreciate the simple things of life, don't you? Right? You appreciate those things. You see things more with like clarity when you, do, when you have nothing. And, and then when all you have is your relationship with Jesus, when all you have is, is a close friend, when all you have is the word of God to go to, or whatever it is, there's a clarity that comes in those times. And there's things that we learn, and, and we can see things, that we couldn't see before because it was clouded with all the busyness of our lives and all the stuff that we were maybe holding on to. And so when we look back, then we can remind ourselves, ah, yes, I remember what I learned in that time. I remember what really matters. Because those are hard lessons to learn, right? We don't want to lose them. (laughs) We paid a price to learn that lesson, so we don't want to lose the lesson. So let's look back and let's grab hold of those lessons that we've learned and not lose sight of the growth that God has done in us. And that's another thing, too. The enemy wants to lie to us and say, nothing's changed in you. You're still a failure. You, steep, you still make all these mistakes. You still do all these things. And God's saying, no, look. Look at what I've done in your life. So many times we look ahead and we're like, oh, that's where I should be. I should be there. I should be there. And it seems so far away. Sometimes it's good for God to just say, hey, now look behind you. Do you remember where you were? You've come a long way. It's important for us to do that. And remember and celebrate that. Be grateful and then be encouraged that God is at work, even in the hardest of times. So number one, we build that memorial. Number two, reject complacency. Joshua didn't allow them to continue in complacency with their idols in their life. He, he didn't allow them to just settle and say, Oh, you can have a little, bit, a little bit of the world, and you can have a little bit of God, and you can kind of just straddle the fence between serving God and, and serving yourself. He, he didn't let them straddle the fence. He was very clear. Get rid of your idols. Get rid of that junk. And a lot of times there's things that, that linger in our hearts. Maybe it's wounds from our past. Maybe it's harmful behaviors or addictions. Whatever it is, lies that we've believed that linger and that we're unaware of. And if we just keep on going through life and we don't pause, we don't take time then we'll never see that and it'll just continue to grow and to fester and to cause harm in us. And it's important for us to stop and to look. Look at what David said. He said, search my heart. That's what he said. Search my heart, oh God. David, one of the most godly men. Search my heart, see if there's any wrong way in me. I reject complacency. I am not gonna let my heart grow cold. I'm gonna stay burning for you hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm going to reject complacency. The Bible says to seek the Lord, Jeremiah twenty nine fourteen. seek the Lord with all of your heart and then you will find him. It said, seek me. Those who seek me with all of their heart will find me. I want to find him. That means I need to seek him with all of my heart not just go through the motion, not just coast. I want to actively pursue him. So search my heart, oh God, see if there's any wrong way in me. I want to seek the Lord with all of my heart and find him. The Bible says the complacency of fools will destroy them. Without vision, the people perish. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 that the time will come in the future where the hearts of men will grow cold. That's not us. Our hearts aren't going to grow cold. Amen? Amen. They're going to stay alive, thriving, burning for Jesus, hungry for his presence, hungry for his word, hungry for his truth. And so this is an opportunity we have to say, God, where have I grown complacent? Where have I just decided to coast? In my pursuit of you will you revive me make me come alive again and the question for this one that we can ask ourselves is am i being intentional actively engaging my heart and looking for god in the day-to-day or just going to what's next on the calendar just going through the most, just going to the next day am i just coasting that's a better way to say it. I don't know why I put all those words in there. But <laughs> am I just coasting? <laughs> or am I actively engaging my heart in looking for God? He says, Seek me with all your heart. Look, looking for him. God, where are you at work in my life? What are you doing in this moment? What are you doing in future moments? What have you done in the past? Looking for God actively and then engaging our hearts, not just here, but here. Lord, Help, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? I want to experience the fullness of your life. I don't want to just live by principles, but I want to live by your presence. And it's just saying this, unless it's what God asks of me, I'm not just going to do what I've always done. Unless that's what God is asking of me, I'm not going to just do what I've always done. Now, if, if God's asking you to do that, great, do it. But otherwise, what is the Lord inviting me into? What is he opening for me? Where is he leading me? So, number two is reject implicitly. Number three, align our values. Joshua encouraged them. He said, yield your hearts to God. Another translation says, say an unqualified yes to God. So this is the anti-resolution campaign. (laughs) It's the, not what do I want, like what are my goals, what do I want, it's not saying, okay, if I, oh, if I can only reach this goal, if I can only lose weight, then my life will be complete. If I can only have this job, then my life will be complete. If I can only do this, then, then I'll be full, because that all that does is just continue to let false hopes persist. We just put our hope in something that's not going to fulfill us over and over and over again. So, He's saying, no, no, instead of doing that, instead of saying, what do I want? It's asking the Lord, okay, what do you value most for me in my life? We don't want to set ourselves up for failure and disappointment by having some hope in something. And then we get there and then it's not fulfilling because it's only Jesus. So God, what, what is it? What are your values? I want to align my heart and my values with yours. But in order to know where we're at, we have to ask ourselves, well, what are our values or what have they been in our lives? And really ask ourselves, what have I been valuing most over the last month or year? If I really look at my life, what have I been valuing most? one of the ways that helps us see that is where we've invested our time. Because that's the most precious possession we have, right? It's a limited resource. You only have so much of it and then it's gone. The average person lives 77 years, right? That's that's the average lifespan. I know that's that's terrible, but it's true. So what are we doing? What, what are we doing with the time that we have? It's a limited resource. Where, where have we invested it? You know, it's funny. I, I I saw this video once, and it was awesome. It was talking about um, 40 million minutes, right? which is the average life, 40 million minutes. And if you watch three hours of television a day, that's nine years of a 77-year life. Nine years. Wow. You watch, you go to, you spend an hour in the bathroom a day. I mean, that's necessary, guys. <laughs> Please do that. Um, <laughs> That's three years of a 77-year life. Uh, let's see, two hours on the phone. Aver- these are averages. Two hours on the phone, six years of, of our lives. Now, we can't, we can't forget that eight hours a day is sleeping, typically, and eight hours a day is, is at work. So if you took even that, that's 50 years. So you got 27 kind of left over. <laughs> So, I mean, it's amazing when you add it up. We don't have, the Bible says life is a vapor. It's a breath. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And that's for all of us. If you're six or you're 96, it's the same. It's it's quick. So where are we investing our time? That gives us a glimpse into what we value most. So before filling up our calendar, let's ask God what his best is for us this year. So this is the question. What does God value most for me? What does God value most for me? What, is, what, is he, what are his values for me and for my life? And then some of these could be just straight up the middle. Like oh, we understand, okay, well, loving God and loving others. That's the great commandment. He values that. Okay, solitude, time with the Lord, communion, community, commission, commitment. (laughs) See that? Um, But those are four, like the core four, you could say, so we can build on those values, our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with one another, pointing people to Jesus, and then committing to those things. There's values right here. These are the values of our church. If you're unsure, these are great values. Right Growth, orienting our lives around God. Worship, worshiping God with all of our heart. Exalting him in our hearts and with, with our mouths, but also with our obedience. Truth, Right, being led by the Holy Spirit and guided by the word of God. Planning our lives by the principles of scripture and living by the presence of his voice. Community, authenticity, care, witness. These are all values that we can... Form and and let our life be formed around the values that God has given us. But another thing you can do is ask yourself this question in a specific place. What does God value most for me in my marriage? What does he value most in the way I parent? What does he value most in my work? What does he value most in my home? What does he value most in my relationships? You You see what I'm talking about? God, what what is most valuable to you? And then forming our lives around those values. Okay, so that's number three, align our values. And then number four, finishing well, ask God for direction. It's very clear, very simple. The people responded to Joshua with the, we will serve the Lord and obey him. We can't obey the Lord if we don't ask him what he wants from us, what he's leading us into. And so this isn't making all of our plans and then asking God to bless our plans, (laughs) right? That's not this, okay? That's what we, I mean, I'm just as guilty as anyone else. I do it all the time. I'm like, all right, we're gonna do this, 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 and this. All right, Lord, bless that. Will you show up in my plan? (laughs) So it's not that. But it's surrender. As followers of Jesus, we follow Jesus, right? I mean, it's it's sometimes that's easy to miss. Followers, we're following Him. He's not following us. It's not like, all right, Jesus. Well, I'm going to do this. Will you? Okay, go ahead. You can throw your blessing up front for this. All right, throw your blessing over here. I'm going over here, Jesus, you know. No, it's he's in front and wherever you lead, I will follow. Yeah, he's our savior. He saves us from our sin, our mistakes. He redeems our life, but he's also our Lord. He's the boss. He's in charge. And it's okay because he loves us perfectly. So, We surrender control and schedule first what matters most. Surrender control and schedule first what matters most, his plans, values, and vision for our life. That's what matters most. So schedule first what matters most. This is hard stuff. I know, you guys are like, this is not my favorite message. Um, it's hard. It's hard for me. So we surrender control, but we release, and then we say, all right, God, I'm going to schedule first. I'm going to put the rocks in, the things that are most valuable to you, and I'm going to schedule those things into my year, calendar, whatever it is, in a, in a very literal sense. I'm going to schedule first what matters most. And that's why we're doing the time of awakening, prayer and fasting in January. Taking 21 days that we're set aside to seek the Lord to fast and pray together. And we'll, like I said, we'll talk more about that as it comes closer. But we're doing that because we're scheduling first what matters most. Seeking the Lord. So once we know what God values most for us, we must shape our lives around those values. So the last question here we can ask ourselves is this, how can I shape my life day to day around what God values most? And Lord, how can I shape my life around what you value? And that those values become pillars, immovable in our life. They're the things that there is no compromise. There is no give and take. It's like these are the pillars of my life my communion with you, my relationship with my my community, my fellow believers, my mission on this earth to point people to Jesus, this obedience to you and submission to you and surrender to you, these are the things that are non-negotiable that aren't going to move and the rest of my life can flow around these pillars. And so we take time Take time this week, and can we put up the four? Yeah, there they are. Four, wow, look at them. They're ahead of me. Okay, so the, the fourth question, do we have the fourth question up there? That's kind of, the, that's, the, that's the point. Is it, uh, how can I shape my life day to day? That's okay. There it is. That's the fourth question. That's okay. So um, go back, let's go back to the list. So right here, just take some time. I know it's, it sounds so easy to say that. Just take some time. <laughs> Take some time. (laughs) Just a little bit. Find some time. Start by saying, All right, Lord, I'm scheduling first what matters most this first week of this year. And I'm going to take some time and reflect. I'm going to ask these questions with the leading of the Holy Spirit and prepare. I want to close with this. God wants all of us. Every part of our life. He wants everything. Now that sounds extreme. It's like, "Well, my Lord. Okay, <laughs> okay God, you want everything." And it can sound demanding. But there's a reason why our incredibly loving Father wants every part of our life, complete control and and surrendering everything to him. There's a reason why that is. Because the more of our life we put into God's hands, the more of our lives are filled with his goodness, life, and purpose. See, if we hold something back from him, then that part of our life will not be filled with his goodness, life, and purpose. But the more we surrender, the more we release, the more holistically our life is filled with his goodness, his glory, his life and light and peace, the love, the the joy, the hope that he brings that we've talked about through Advent, more comes with more surrender. Remember, God's plans aren't for us to, to grab hold of It's for us to release more. And that's when we find freedom. That's when we find the life that he brings. So finishing well, we learn from the past, we surrender the future. We learn from where we've come and we surrender where we're going. And that's how we can finish well together this year. So let's do it together as a body. I'm taking on this challenge as well. This week, I'm going to take time. Lord, give me grace. <laughs> Strengthen me in my weakness. I'm going to take time, Katie and I both, and we're going to take some time together. We like to do it together and pray together about like our future and what God has for us in the year and looking back on it. Because she helps me remember things. <laughs> she helps me remember stuff. And so we do it together. But I encourage you, let's do it together as a body. Let's see what God has in store for us this next year. What could happen if every part of our life was surrendered to the Lord? We didn't have to carry anything in our back, anything in the pack where it's us and we're taking ownership. It's our thing. And we give it to the Lord and we just say, whatever you say, that's what I'm gonna do. There's a freedom that comes from that. Amen? So I'm just gonna pray over us. I know we got the kids with us, so I'm going to pray over us and then I'm going to let you guys go. Lord Jesus, help us, Lord. Give us the grace, God, to finish this year well, to move into this new season exactly where you're leading us. Lord, help us celebrate what you've done see how far we've come, have gratitude in our hearts for what you've done in us and the people you've brought into our lives, the places you've invited us into. Lord, and then help us plan by the principles of your word and live in each moment by the presence of your spirit give us the grace to take some time this week to spend it with you and to receive freely from all that you give. Lord, we love you. Thank you for 2023, God. Thank you for this year. Thank you for the life that you've brought to us. Thank you for the life of this church. Lord, thank you, God, for all you've done. Lord, we give you all the glory for anything good. Every good and perfect gift came from you. Thank you, God, for your gifts. We look forward to to encountering you in 2024. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm excited for a new year with you guys. Tomorrow it begins. I know. It's not anything different. But still, it's fun. Uh, So I'm looking forward to it, guys. Um, Let me know let me know. I'd love to hear from you. If you're taking time to reflect and God's doing some things in your heart this week and he reveals something to you, I would love to hear it. I would love to to share that with you and and talk with you, pray with you about something that maybe God's putting on your heart for this next year. Um, I would love to partner with you in that. So love you guys. We'll see you next week, January 7th. God bless you.